Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods, and uh, I wanted to just come and talk to you today. I want to ask you the question, are you going to the wedding? I'm going to tell you about that in just a couple of minutes. First, I want to invite you to come tomorrow to the First Baptist Church here in Holbrook. It's on the corner of First Avenue in Buffalo. And uh, Sunday school starts at 9.45. Morning worship starts at 11 o'clock. I will be preaching during morning worship. Uh, because it is Super Bowl Sunday, I will be preaching about uh, the Super Bowl uh, athletes and about how Christians can be Super Bowl Christians. And I wish you'd come. Then after that, we have a potluck, and you're invited to stay for the potluck and have fellowship. I know that the church people would just love to, to meet you and be have fellowship with you. Now, again, are you going to the wedding? In Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24, I'm reading out of the ESV. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel the people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Matthew chapter 22 through to 10 says a similar story. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered, everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they had found, both bad and good, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. You know, February has always been quite significant to me. Marty and I announced our engagement on Valentine's Day, uh, and that means I've spent 59 Valentine's Day with that lucky girl and how blessed she has been. But seriously, how I have been blessed by God to have such a wonderful wife. I can't praise God enough for the the helpmate that he's given to me. My family's weddings were in February. 
And it seemed like a good idea at the time, I guess, but it, it ended up not being such a good idea when things began to change. My grandparents were married on February 25th, 1918. My parents were married on February 25th, 1937. My aunt and uncle were married on February 25th, 1945. Like I said, it was fun to celebrate together until Grandpa died, and then that put a dampener on all of the celebration for my folks and for my aunt and uncle because Grandma felt real bad about, you know, being left and not having anybody to celebrate. Marriage is God's plan. For thousands of years, marriage has been a wonderful institution planned by God. Genesis chapter 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Today society is desecrated and cheapened this sacred tradition. Couples move in with each other with no thought of the sanctity of marriage. That means they are committing fornication and then we have gay marriages. We have people who are marrying their pets and all kinds of stupid things going on. Satan is busy breaking down the family, which would also break down our society. So let me quickly add that no matter what's the sin that you've committed, God loves the sinner. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner, and God is always ready to forgive any sin and adopt you into his family if you will ask for his forgiveness and change your life. God will accept you. I was, attempted, I was tempted to preach on how to keep romance in the home, but there's a greater love story to tell than between a man and a woman. It's the story of God's love for us. It involves self-giving, sacrifice, and courtship as God tries to woo us to himself. For humans, a healthy love relationship leads to marriage, and that's neat. The same thing stands true with God. The greatest marriage and reception this universe will ever see is planned for God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and his bride, the redeemed church which has been cleansed of all sin by the blood of the Lamb. This wedding is scheduled to happen soon. We don't know the exact dates, but we've been invited to participate if we choose to accept the invitation. If we don't accept our invitation, we will open ourselves up to anguish and grief for all eternity. Jesus told about the king who had, which would represent God, who invited his friends, which would include us, to the marriage feast or the reception for his son. Jesus shared the flimsy excuses given by the invited guests as to why they couldn't come. He warned that those who refuse to come will be sorry. You will have heard all their excuses. Uh, what was the king's response? He said in Luke 14, 21 through 24, so the servant came and reported these things to the master. 
Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant says, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The custom in Christ's day was to send a message announcing an upcoming event like a marriage feast so that the guests could be prepared when the time came. Then a second invitation would then go out when the feast was ready so that people could attend. Then they were to come immediately. God has announced to us an upcoming feast that he has planned. We must be ready to depart immediately. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one through 52 Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. I want to warn you, there'll be no time for last-minute primping. Uh, You're going to have to come as you are. There'll not be time to fall on your knees and repent because you couldn't do that in the span of a twinkling of an eye. You are to be ready, and I hope that you're ready now, or if you're not, that you will get ready and let Jesus Christ be your Savior. Well, people knew about when they should be ready to go. We do, too. A lot of excuses were made by the invited guests explaining why they couldn't attend. I mean, the first man, if you remember, bought a piece of ground and needed to go see it. Well, certainly he didn't buy it sight unseen. He must have known what he was buying. Imagine a Jew buying a pig in a poke. How could he see what it was like in the dark anyhow? That's when the supper would be. He cared more about his worldly investments than his invitation to the supper. He's like people whose possessions get in the way of their service to God. Is what you own robbing you of your relationship with God? Mark 10, 24 said, And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. The second man just bought five yoke of oxen and had to try them out. At night? I mean, you know, who goes out and plows it in the dark? Or did he have headlights on his oxen? His work came first. The host had to claim had no claim on his time. He's like so many people who are so wrapped up in their work, their careers, their hobbies, they've no time for God. One day, that job will be over. What will you do then? You hope God will have time for you then, but i got to warn you that if you have no time for him now, uh, he'll probably say, depart, I never knew you. The third man was just married a wife and, and couldn't come. And my thought is, man, she must have been an ugly thing, a real dog, for him to be so embarrassed about bringing her out in public. I heard about a pastor who took his wife to every meeting, every convention, every place he went, whether it included wives or not. Someone asked why he always brought her. He explained, well, she's so ugly, I I really don't want to have to kiss her goodbye. 
The third excuse was the weakest of all. Certainly this wife was included in the invitation. I mean, anybody would probably be proud to take a new wife and show her off. This dumb excuse is still used today. People say, well, I can't come to church because it's the only time I have to be with my family. Listen, I want you to know marriage obligations and family, if rightfully and righteously undertaken, should never keep us from God or from fellowship with his saints. God should be included in every activity of the family. The relationships at home are dearer and sweeter when Jesus Christ is the head of the house. My thought is, let God have full control and you'll find more success in your marriage than you ever thought possible. Well, in each case, these people were unwilling to get involved with the feast. Not one of them really wanted to accept the invitation. Had they wanted to go, they would have found time because we have time to do what we want to do. All three were sucked into the same preoccupation with worldly interests. The Lord said, What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? These people had no time for God. Millions of people are doing the same thing and feel comfortable and smug about their actions. In the story, they didn't remain happy with their actions. They were left out of where they finally wanted to be. Jesus wasn't just telling a cutesy story. There is a marriage feast coming and everyone is invited. You are invited if you'll confess your sins to Christ, accept him as your savior and allow him to change your life so that you glorify him. Those who've accepted the invitation will be snatched away with no advance notice. We talk about this as being the rapture where Jesus is going to come and his church will be caught up to meet him in the air. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with those in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Those left behind will wish that they'd been ready to attend the wedding too. After the rapture, everything will change rapidly here on earth. This world will soon become hell on earth. People who reject Jesus now will suddenly want him then, but it'll be too late. This will lead into the period we call the tribulation when Satan will just be turned free to do whatever he wants to do. 
Within the first 24 hours, it'll be apparent that people who did not know Christ had made a huge mistake when they refused Christ's invitation. It says, first, the Christians who have died will be raised from their graves. Then we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we'll be with the Lord forever. Instantly after the rapture, the biggest reunion ever recorded will take place. God's people will be gathered from every kindred, nation, and tongue and will mingle in glad reunion. 24 hours after the return of Christ, the greatest search of the centuries will be underway. People will be searching for their loved ones that have disappeared. It'll be the most mystifying of all incidents. Millions of people will disappear. Luke chapter 17, 34 through 35 I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. Instantly, the Holy Spirit will lift the restraints on Satan and his demons. And the world's greatest influence for good will be removed. The restraints on evil and Satan through the Antichrist through the Antichrist, will finally be able to perform all the signs and wonders he desires to deceive the whole world. See, the Holy Spirit and his church are now the restraining power, limiting Satan from doing all the sheer evil he wants to do. Things are bad enough now. Can you imagine if there was no restraints put on Satan? Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.7 says, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains, which would be the Holy Spirit, he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. I sure don't want to be here when the Holy Spirit and the church are no longer restraining Satan. 24 hours after the return of Christ, the tribulation will be one day old. That starts immediately at the advent of Jesus. Six years, 51 weeks, and six days of hell on earth will face those who refuse the invitation to the marriage feast of the Lamb. The last three and a half years will be the most severe. During that time, unbelievable things that even Stephen King hasn't even thought up yet will happen. It'll be a time, uh, the most evil time the world has ever known. Matthew 24, 21 through 23, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Where will you be 24 hours after the rapture? Will you be at the wedding with the bride, the church, in the presence of Jesus, the bridegroom, or with the unsaved here on earth? You must decide now. Don't delay and, and seal your doom. This, the Bible says now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. While on a South Pole expedition, British explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton left a few men on Elephant Island promising that he would return to pick them up. Later, when he tried to go back, huge icebergs blocked the way. But suddenly, as if by a miracle, an avenue opened in the ice and Shackleton was able to get through. 
His men were ready and waiting, and they quickly scrambled aboard. No sooner had the ship cleared the island than the ice crashed together behind them. Contemplating their narrow escape, the explorer said to his men, It was fortunate you were all packed and ready to go. And they said, We never gave up hope. Whenever the sea was clear of ice, we rolled up our sleeping bags and reminded each other, The boss may come today. The invitation has gone out. You might not live until the rapture, but you can still be included at the wedding. You decide your eternal destiny. What will it be? Are you going to the wedding? Well, I sure hope to see you there. Father, I pray that you help each one of us to take very seriously the invitation you've given to us to be part of your kingdom, to celebrate and be part of that great wedding that's going to take place. I would pray that you'll be with each one that's listened to this today. Any of them that don't know you as their personal Savior, I would pray, God, this will be the day they call upon you in repentance and ask for forgiveness of their sins and allow you, Lord, to change their lives and make them joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for each one, whether they know you or not, that you'll give them a good day today. Those who need a special touch in their bodies, I pray you'll heal them. Those who are having problems with discouragement or blues, I pray that you'll bless them, meet them at their point of need. And Father, help each one of us to find your complete will, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to get in touch with me, remember you can send me an email, which is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. But I will remind you, I get a lot of Gmails, and, and if you don't get an answer right away, try again. It's not that I'm ignoring you. I just probably have missed the fact that you wrote. If you'd like to have a more personal contact, my cell phone number is 623-845-2741. I'd be glad to either hear from you with a text, or you could call if you want to talk, or if you need to just write a letter, it's box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. I do uh, welcome any correspondence, and uh, I would invite you again, if you're in the area, to come to the church at the Baptist Church tomorrow as I talk again about uh, the Super Bowl and Super Bowl Christians. I'd love to see you there. God bless you. Talk to you next week, I hope. Oh, come on.